morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Floodman11, and today we are wrapping up the two big races uh, that launch the 2019 season around the world, the Daytona 24 hours and the Bathurst 12 hours. And joining me today, slash tonight, slash whatever, I have Cookie Monster FL and Kiwi Crew 1709. Welcome, guys. Morning. Good afternoon. Brilliant. And good evening. And good night. <laughs> Um, now, you guys, you guys have something in common, don't you? What, we're smarter than you? Yes. Ouch, you that one cut. That's <laughs> brutal. We're going to have a child together, Kiwi. I just wanted to surprise oh. you. Well. Oh. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, maybe, That's breaking maybe, maybe news right here. Am I the mother or the father? I'd rather not know. Let's let's <laughs> moving <laughs> that's, right that's along. <laughs> the direct the direction I was going with that is that both of you had your first trips to Daytona uh, earlier this year mm-hmm. for the Daytona Twenty Four Hours, and now we're just I'm haunted by images of Kiwi being. Pro- oh no! Can we start again? <laughs> <laughs> It was it was that hat. <laughs> oh, no, that, that was a sexy hat. Oh <laughs> no! Oh god! Mm-hmm. Definitely at, at, a professional uh, entity, guys. Definitely at, a professional. Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay. Daytona Twenty Four, Kiwi. Why the hell did you fly from where from Australia to Daytona to go to this event, Cookie? Why the hell did you go to this event for the first time only this year, Kiwi? First, uh, at the time. I had the time to do it, but yeah, yeah go get yeah, Kiwi, 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 Kiwi first. Kiwi, go first. Kiwi, 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 Kiwi. I, I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> well, I couldn't go to Bathurst because of work, so I thought, what's the next best thing I can do? Oh, I know. Let's let's fly halfway around the bloody world to go to watch an endurance race, eh? Um, absolutely massive experience. I enjoyed the hell out of it. So glad I did it, despite the way the race ended. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, it was awesome. It was just. Awesome, awesome experience. And it wasn't just you guys catching up and being bum buddies for the weekend, wasn't it? There was like 17 of you or something, right? Yeah, 17 oh, yeah. bum buddies. Yeah. In a, in a four-bedroom four bedroom house. It was fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, just I, I tried to derail and it worked too well. So, all right, I'll, I'll bring it back. Bring it back, Cookie. Bring us back. It was good. Uh, no, I it's the same lines along with Kiwi. I didn't really have the opportunity to go to the Rolex Twenty Four when I was able to uh, previously, and uh, now I have the opportunity to do that. Um, being back in Florida, uh, so the yep. drive time's a little bit easier. It's not it's uh, not a day to get down to uh, get down to some races where I previously lived. So a uh, change of of residence for me is why i was able to finally make it out there but i'd been too long it's uh you know that i haven't gone to a 24-hour race it's been pretty crazy i don't know for me this is my first one so oh, really is, your uh, first 24 enjoyable. yeah both of ours i think we both got our cherries popped fantastic past january so yeah it was a lot of fun i mean i i think it should be stated that if you're a sports car racing fan that once you're up at two or three in the morning and listening to cars go around the track at speed, that's pretty much enough reason to go. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Was, like we need anymore. I was, I was blown away by that because I knew it was going to be a special moment doing that. But when you got the whole Daytona Grandstand to yourself, pretty much just watching cars go round, it is pretty surreal. You, 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 you were your own rooftop, Ray. 
uh, camera nods vertically. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. So, okay. So, you've, you've talked a little bit about the experience of being at a 24-hour race. What about Daytona? So, Kiwi, I, I know you've been to Bathurst a few times. Cookie, I know you've mm-hmm. done Road America and Sebring and Road Atlanta a bunch. Where does Daytona sit in the whole realm of awesomeness of tracks that you've experienced? Well, I'll sum this... I can go first here. Coming... Because I was driving in... Well, not driving because of someone lost their license, but... <laughs> coming coming through... Coming to the track, coming down to National Speedway Boulevard, then suddenly... Suddenly we lost Kiwi. Suddenly he was... Oh. <laughs> he was so taken he was so speechless that he completely just gone <laughs> yeah so suddenly okay <laughs> through the night so so does it measure okay. up to driving driving down the main road of Bathurst and seeing the mount panorama it's, plastered on the side of the hill it was it was a similar feeling uh with the slightly more American sense of massiveness because you know it's a massive structure, and it's just oh my god, you it, you know you and then you get there, you get inside the venue, and the way the noise just sort of reverberates because it's up the banking, you know, or the echo. It's probably the loudest race I've actually been Ooh, to. That sounds awesome. Well, you, you think of like at Bathurst, like sitting on top of the hill, you can hear the cars coming up. Yep. Then you hear the cars going away. It's just a concert. Which you very clearly shared with us in the voice chat overnight. <laughs> I thought I was bored. What did you say? Well, no, I shouldn't say I was bored. I wanted to share my awesome experiences with you. And we welcomed it with open arms for a whole two seconds before we're like, turn that. <laughs> we're trying to talk in here. Yeah, well, I couldn't turn the race down, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Cool. What about you, Cookie? Where does it where does it rank for you? Um, I've been to the Daytona Complex before. I've oh, been okay. when it was upgraded, so it's definitely got taller uh, since I was there last, or at least most. It's just gotten bigger. Uh, maybe not taller, but it's definitely gotten wider and more tall grandiose. Right, exactly. So, and to America, we just do this where we just build large superstructures for sporting events because there's too many people and we all are obsessed with sports and we just need to go to a sporting event like every day. So, like, enough of us go. So, they just build, like, a huge one and blah, blah, yeah. So, this is not necessarily, like, you know, jaw-dropping for me. Uh, I mean, obviously, like, just being there is definitely like it's special and you know having gone for other events it's, it's like it's definitely unique and i love going there mm. um but yeah it's uh it, it definitely like i felt more or less like you know because it's 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 a it's a track that's promoting really essentially another race another thing yeah so for me it's more like I got to just get in with the sports cars and then I'll feel like I'm kind of there looking at that grandstand. You're like, okay, I know what that's for. I'm here for something else kind of thing. So for me, it's a little bit different. I can, I can kind of understand that because that's sort of the, the, the feeling I get with, with Bathurst. I'll talk a bit about that later, but like Bathurst in Australia is synonymous with the 1000. So you go, you think V8, you think Australian muscle cars, you think Bogans, you think, Heaps and heaps of beer and not a lot of class, but 
you know, we're there for the the 12-hour, which is, you know, international GT3. It's a bit more classy. It's a bit more, yeah, a, a, a different event. Cool. Okay. Yes. Um. So, quickly, give sum it up in three sentences or less, the best part about your Daytona 24 experience. Oh, just hit the access you get. Um, I think that was summed up by the fact that we could be on the start grid half an hour before the race takes off. Wow. I, that actually sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah, there's a photo of one of us on the start line making your way up to the grandstand before the start of the race. It's absolutely phenomenal. I'm sitting there with standing here with a beer in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you could you could spill a bunch of that on there and uh, add a little bit of tacky surface for the. I think, I, for the, I, think uh... I did. I think I did actually. Oh, guys, <laughs> some uh, you helped WTR there. You bastard. Uh, <laughs> you. Uh, just okay. Back on track. Let's forget about your experience. No one wants to hear any more about that. Freaking bum buddies Drinking with it. beer on the track. What? Hey, anyway, man. um. So jealous. I am a little bit. Shut up. Stop. Um. My my three sentences, by the way. Yes. Um. Uh. I. Okay. These are one word sentences, and it's I hate rain. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I just want—I just want to say that we'll, we'll talk about that a bit later. Start off. Uh, we should talk about practice and qualifying because we saw, I guess, what we all expected, and that was Mazda beating the Daytona International Speedway 24 Hours Sports Car Circuit lap record by the All American Dan Gurley's Dan Gurney's All American Races Eagle Mark II. Mm-hmm. Is that did I get everything cooking? Um. Yes. Mark three. Yes, Mark three. Dan Gurney's American uh, uh, All American Racers Eagle Mark three. Correct. Yes. yes. So we did see that record fall. That means Mazda took the pole in qualifying, which wasn't that surprising considering there wasn't any BOP changes from the raw. But we we weren't really sold on Mazda, were we? I mean, I wasn't. Uh, I. I've made that abundantly clear in the preview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Cookie? How how was Mike uh, feeling through, after qualifying? Mike being MJ um, Moore on the sub. I mean, it's it, it it's just hard to get a, a gather because you have like an immovable force, which is like Team Yoast, and they're very professional, and the professionalism of that immovable force meets or the unbreakable object, which is pretty sure I messed that up, but which is basically Mazda's inability to ever finish a race. Yeah. And we, I just don't know who wins. Like, At maybe, the moment, like, it's Mazda. Well, well, right. It's it's the inability to finish for some reason. And I don't under, like I don't know when Team Yost is going to just go like, all right, well, we're just going to build a car that finishes the race. And, th- and then we'll talk about maybe like, you know, uh, uh, like racing better uh, i like i don't maybe there's going to be that slide that it hits i, I don't know if they're like scaling it back but yeah, yeah. dude I, I i don't know i it thought was... maybe some of the r&d was going to get them to the finish well, i didn't think that both of them are going to be out with this is, the this same is the probable thing. issue okay, well it was two different issues uh that happened about the same time the first one the 55 mm-hmm. had some sort of suspension breakage and then the second one went up in flames the thing is before the event mazda and aer did a 30 hour endurance test and had no problems and this was apparently a new problem that they'd never encountered before that broke up that set their car alight um so you know you can't say that they're not trying it's just it's 
It would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Oh, sad. It was definitely sad. Uh, at the time, we were all over in the Outback Steakhouse. Outback Steakhouse, yep, because you were in voice chat. Which by, the, which, by the way, was an absolute abomination of a place. <laughs> was that was that the <laughs> epitome of Americans trying to do Australia? Was it just, oh, cro- was. Was no, it just no, Crocodile it's, Dundee? It's, it's what us Americans think Australia is like, or that's what they're sold to as what Australia is. So it's, Fosters, Akubras, yes, yep. knife wielding crocodile yes. fighters, Comple- completely inaccurate um, accents too, like over the top, like clearly not an accent that you guys have, but Brilliant. it's used. Hey mate, you haven't been up to Queensland. Oh, okay, so that those, okay, so <laughs> you guys exist. Oh no, <laughs> but. But yeah, the sense the sense of sadness amongst most of our group was pretty palpable. Yeah, because I mean, we were this all. Was massive, it's, it's this was really massive price. Yeah, well, they're a sentimental favorite. Let's just be honest here. I mean, there's they're an underdog, even though they aren't. They're an they underdog, even though they don't. Right, and they can't, but they can't do it. Like they can't do it. It's basically like you're given like, the keys to the castle, and you like literally keep. I don't know like going bankrupt or something like I, I like i i don't even know an, an analogy in which you're con- constantly failing with all the cards in your in your hand like i it's 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 shocking to me but i mean i guess at this point it's i, I guess what they just they have to stay with aer yep. and hope that they can do something better like for yeah. 12 hours well you know it was a 24 hour race is you know, the point of a 24-hour race is to, to test everything, the reliability, the drivers, the team, everything. So if they're failing this 24-hour test, maybe they can push on to a 12-hour or a 10-hour or a 6-hour or a 2.5-hour test and be a force to be reckoned with. But it's, you know, I, I still haven't seen that Mazda team in IMSA win a race. And I've been watching IMSA for five years. They have not won a race. They have not won a race. I like so I I mean I I don't know even what else just to... sorry to jump in on top of you even Spirit of Daytona won a race <laughs> remember Spirit of Daytona yeah I mean JDC Miller has won a race yes they've won yeah they've won an NEC race a, a GT's won the race yeah, a GT's won the race <laughs> and yet man's the heaven. Oh, and, and it's every single time they get into a decent position, they find a way to lose. And, you know, part of it may have, may have been on Speed Source back in the day when they were running that uh, diesel turned petrol Lola, um, when their pit stops were just awful. Um, but mm-hmm. now with the DPI formula, they don't have that excuse. They are Yoast. Yoast doesn't make those mistakes. Um, the car just keeps breaking. The car just keeps breaking. I don't mm-hmm. know what to say. I, I think the, the stark thing for me, at least as an observer, seeing them for the last like five years at Sebring, Petit, blah, blah, the, per, the professionalism has just gone like through the roof, maybe like 400% increased. You know, like it's it's gone from what you would say as Spirit of Daytona run outfit where, you know, there's a sign here. You know, there's some you know, people are obviously in Mazda gear because it's a re- representation of the Mazda brand, blah, blah, blah. Right. So there's the basic bar minimum that the speed speed source guys had yo started kind of increasing that this year it's it feels more like a factory effort like even sometimes on par of gtlm and higher like it's they've got science everywhere everybody's professional like people it almost feels like people have earpieces in that's like the, mm. you know if you look at the car too they have like the most 
technical data like like adapters and stuff coming out of this car like that car is wired to the to the teeth with uh with telemetry so it's getting it to the point of crazy professionalism but the results are constantly the same and my only last thing is that i yeah like you asking me now what do i think what did i think coming into this yeah what do you think i thought maybe they could do it now now for next year i have no confidence they're even gonna make the the end of the race who cares i don't even care what their lap time is they can't do it until they prove it to me this is Mm. so it's it's becoming one of those things where the longer it takes for them to win the worse it gets and it's not like uh a again it wouldn't be it would be funny if it wasn't so sad it's just been so long Mm. since that team has had a win that it's just propagating the uncertainty to the point where harry tinknell throws away a race winning position uh because he tries to pass a car that can't that that he shouldn't really pass in traffic at Laguna Seca last year, and they come into this weekend where they should win, and the car falls apart on them. It's like Liverpool trying to win the league. <laughs> so okay, and so quickly, to, uh, just give me one minute here. Okay, this feels now. Imagine this kind of attitude that we have towards Mazda, right? Next year, uh, Cadillac pulls out, uh, and course stays with Nissan. Um, and then we also lose Acura, right? So it's literally just Mazda facing some privateers and a haphazard Nissan team. Um, and they win next year. My, like, no one would be happy with no, that. It, <laughs> like, it's, because it, they, would, like, they would have just earned the win, are right? You, are you happy with Toyota's win last year at Le Mans? Well, I, I'm making the analogy yeah. for specifically ACO and a lot of these guys who literally just don't say anything to anybody about this yeah. or even talk about it. like, okay, well, good. Toyota got their win. Yeah. But you're, you literally, it doesn't no feel good for the fans at all. Yeah. Right. So I think I, I, yeah, I, that's one of those things where it's just like, it's really annoying that you, we don't get more info or understanding and sympathy yeah. from the ACO when it comes to just, just the results. Quick, last year. Unrelated sidebar that you've just spun me on. A lot of people will, will say and have said that there have been periods in time at Le Mans or at Daytona where one team was entirely dominant and had no competition. Like, for example, Porsche in the 80s. They were the dominant team. No one had a car that was better than the 956. They just filled up the grid and won by miles. But the thing is, Porsche had that dominance because they were they the best. It. They were the best car. They were the, the car that had entered into that class from the beginning and were dominant from the beginning it's like mercedes and f1 from the part from the most recent rule change it's not a situation where in those periods of dominance where they've come to the fore because other people have pulled out that's i think why people have been so kind of uh, about toyota winning last year and about the wc and if this very hypothetical situation of yours comes to fruition next year, which I mean, let's be real. That's probably a zero out of a hundred chance. It would probably have the same sort of everyone's kind of left. You're fighting yourself sort of battle. Mm. One final point from Kiwi, then we're moving on. Go. These masters. The problem we have is they can't prove the reliability in a long distance race at the start of the season because there isn't such a thing. You come again. You're coming to the 24 hour completely blind Fresh, as yeah. to how you're going to go in the race situation. Um, yes, you can do a 30 hour test, but that's not simulating traffic. That's not simulating conditions. You know, yep. mm-hmm. not simulating pressure, heat, heat stress in the engine because you're following traffic. That sort of stuff. Mazda side contact too. Mm. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. 
Can't so simulate that you banking. You just can't simulate that. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to just some more positive things. Um, I want to say from a fan viewing standpoint, uh, we were... I was pretty impressed with the quality of racing throughout the early hours and then into the night. Um, we didn't get a huge stretch of green flag running. I think the longest stretch over the course of the race was 90 minutes, but that was long enough for the prototype strategies to begin to play out and then for one or two of the GT battles to really come to the fore. Um, one thing I feel like we have to mention because, my God, he just can't stop himself from being the star of every show he goes to. Fernando Alonso, right? He His night shift stint where he was like four or five seconds quicker than everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How does he do that? Like, isn't he meant to be retired? Like... <laughs> No, yeah. he could he could win a championship this year in F one for sure. <laughs> that, just, that's the awesome part about him being here. Yeah, <laughs> is that we get an F one driver in his prime racing sports cars seriously, and not like a oh I'm I'm here just to like you know fulfill some sponsorship needs or like my fans would love me for it. Obviously, he's doing it for that too. Yeah. But the, the dude is straight up an, just a, so beast. quick. He's an alien. He's like if if like he's he's the Mark Marquez. Of sports cars at the moment. He's just come into it and he's just like showing everyone that he's just better than everyone else. It's just... Oh, he's crashy though. Well, um, I mean... First thought here. Yeah. He's... I can't believe it, you guys, honestly. Are you guys ready for him to come to Bathurst? What What is honestly stopping him from going to Bathurst? Nürburgring? What is honestly stopping him from doing any of these other races? He's already won the first two major ones. Um, he's probably going to win Sebring here. Not the 12 hours, but... No prototypes is the thing. Do you think... But... Uh, I feel like he that might not matter at this point. He's literally knocking everything down so quickly. Like, why not? He, he, no, he wants to race Dakar, so the prototype doesn't matter. I mean, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but the thing is, he doesn't really have an affiliation to a GT team that's actually yeah. prominent yet. If McLaren decide that they want to do GT properly for a change and sell like 400 cars, which probably won't happen, let's be realistic here. Let's say, let's say they want to sell 30 cars and actually have a proper factory set up like Porsche do or like Audi do and send their drivers all around the world. Then maybe I see Fernando Alonso stepping into a 720S and running around in bloody Bathurst and Nürburgring. But I don't see him doing it in any other... Any other machinery? I Honestly, I don't see Fernando getting attracted to the GT side of things as much as he is to, into the prototypes at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think I think if he's going to race anything, he's going to be racing for racing to beat everything else. Oh, and, I agree. I agree. And I don't think he's going to be happy doing that in a BOP class for too long. That's just my opinion. Yeah, well, hey, look, this is... He's- He's what one for two now in a BOP class winning. So, well, he's DPI. T- yeah, it is BOP class. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> getting getting uh, derailed again. Um, we did end up with a sort of fight at the top between the thirty-one wheel and engineering Cadillac and the number ten Wayne Taylor Racing Cadillac for the majority of the race. Um, GT was a bit of more of a crapshoot in both GTD and GT Le Mans because I gotta say the the balance was pretty on point. I think maybe the BMWs were just a little slow, but in terms of GTD, you couldn't pick a winner. And mm, then the rain was... came. 
And then, and then the, the rain, rain really came. Yeah, and then the rain really, really came. Um, yeah. When when did the race actually get red flagged? Do you guys remember? Was it about 15 it was a, hours in? I was, yeah, it was about 4, 4, 4 a.m. I think I was in the grandstand at the time going, oh, yeah, this is exciting. Yeah. And then when, I think that's when I messaged everyone saying, okay, it's time to, it's time to think about going home for a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because... Look, I, I was asleep at the time. I I turned in for the night. And so um, when I woke up and saw that we were under red flag, I'm like, oh, okay, what's going on here? And yeah, just rain and rain and rain. And of course, with the banking, it just sort of doesn't drain as well. And because the infield is just all flat. Uh, so it did make for a pretty unhappy Daytona um, for that time. Now... They tried to get the race restarted. There was a little patch of lighter rain, not no rain, lighter rain um, at about, what, seven or eight in the morning? Was that about right? Um, well, just think of our time. So, yeah, it's about 5.30 we decided to all go home. Yeah. Um, then this sort of rain, so it didn't, it never, I don't think it ever actually stopped raining. Mm. Um, so they restarted the race uh, with about four hours to go. Yep. Um, and that's when crap really hit the fan. Yeah. So we left, we left home and got there just in time for the second red flag. Okay. <laughs> Sucked in. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they tried to get, so, okay. So there's a little bit of logic in this. Okay. So cars generate a lot of heat, especially race cars when they're running at any sort of speed. So the, lo- the prevailing logic is if you want to clean up a racetrack, a, a wet racetrack you get the cars to go around under the safety car because that you know that heat starts to evaporate off the water it moves it off the track you get rid of those puddles and you can you know go racing a bit quicker but i think the there was just too much in my opinion um mm-hmm. even under safety car it looked precarious and the three or four attempts that we had at restarting the race were some of the most ridiculous periods of driving I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, and and that, that that's rid- ridiculous not because of the drivers. No, not at all. Driving poorly, just because they couldn't keep it on the damn road. Exactly, and that's no fault of their own. It was just impossible mm. to keep the cars on the road. Now we we had two or three attempts. The first attempt, half the cars didn't even make the green flag. That, that was, they, they'd gone off and crashed into the wall before the green flag. The next attempt was mm-hmm. 12 minutes of the most dangerous motorsport I've ever seen. Uh, and then once that got cleaned up, we finally were able to get about 20 to 30 minutes of some green flag running, um, which ended with about three or four cars in the wall and a massive, massive shunt for Tony Vlander. Mm. Mm. Um, like, I think the... I think back, you know, the the Faf car, mm, yep, is completely is completely dead because of race control's brain brain dead decision to start the first time round. Tony uh, Scuderia, of course, is looking at a massive build to repair Vlander's shunt. It's just cost so much money of unnecessary damage that the organisers 
I'd, I'd hate criticizing organizers, but they really, really, really dropped the ball here. Well, you can understand why they did it, though, right? It's a, it's meant to be a twenty four no. hour race, and yeah, they it's meant to be a twenty four hour race. But you've got to know, you've got to know when teams are going. What the hell are we doing? Yeah. Why the hell are we starting? The only restart that should have even been attempted was that final one. Yeah, I agree with that. Cookie, do you want to weigh in on this? I, I I don't know. I I really don't know where I sit on this. Uh, I I like the rain. Um, I feel like we're at a point though that the speeds are just too high. Um, what we're used to seeing nine one seven slide around because they're only doing like fifty miles an hour through corner apex, you know. So the amount of torque that they're putting down is control. It's almost uncontrollable, but it's still controllable. Now we're to the point where like these guys are doing I don't know what one hundred thirty apex mile an hour corners like you regardless of how advanced the tire technology is there's no way to wash that water away hmm. um i think if people wanted to see what we saw 20 30 years ago in terms of rain technology that kind of stuff the cars would just have to be slower and they would have to be able to handle more downforce whatever yep. to ensure that which they don't mm. and, and, uh, and it's clear let's not forget just quickly that the older cars the 917s that you talk about they were much higher in terms of their clearance on on the ground which means that you could fit a lot more water underneath them these cars they sit so low and they're flat underneath so as soon as you go into a standing water uh, a puddle water's not compressible it's liquids aren't compressible so you you don't get that funneling of air as you do when it's just air you just get the car getting lifted off the ground by the water. Right. And yeah, especially the both ride heights too. Mm. Um, I mean, there's just, it, it literally just kind of acts like a boat, you know, yep. a flat boat that just skims along the water too. So uh, yeah, I, I think that it's frustrating as a fan to basically see them, you know, they sh- should be able, it looks like they're going slow enough that they should be able to do it, but I mean, it's just physics, yeah. <laughs> and exactly. there's just too much water on it. Yeah. The interesting thing will be see to will see will be to see that new technology asphalt, which water dissipates through the pores in mm. the actual uh, yep. whatever, however it's made. See when that gets cost effective enough that some track might try it, because that'd be that would be interesting to see if that worked. Although I don't know, because I would think rubber would like clag up into yeah, the pores. Yeah, it would be interesting. Look, okay, I'm going to play anyway. a bit of devil's advocate here, and I'm going to go and look at it from race organizer and the broadcaster's perspective. So, you know, you're starting a brand new broadcast deal on a major syndicated cable network. I think it's cable network. NBC Cable? Uh, NBC, SN. I think they might have had some NBC. So it was yeah. uh, on air for some, but mostly cable yeah. broadcast. So, so it's a major american cable network their first event back into the sport and it gets washed out and you know you don't want to see that as a fan or as a business owner or as an organizer because it's just it looks a bit shit so i can see why they wanted to try and get things started again but the prevailing message from everyone else involved was that it was impossible to do and i think they got the message a little too late. When when the race did get started, we had a good a good little period where we had that little uncertain wet driving, which was kind of cool. But when you've got guys like Lawrence Vantor saying, "We, I don't want ever want to do that again." Tony Vlander saying, "I could not see anything." Fernando Alonso, while in second, going, "This needs to be red flagged." It kind of 
spells out a pretty clear picture. And it just meant that like mm-hmm. any any planning of results or any planning of strategy is just thrown out the window. Yeah. Basically. I mean, I have Porsches flying everywhere. Normally Porsches are good in the wet as well. Oh, I'm so mad. Oh, they, they, they aren't anymore, man. They went mid-engine. Those <sighs> things are, in, are a mess in the wet, I guess. <sighs> Um, no, and no, no of course, no one wanting to win, guys. no one wanting to win GTD either. I mean, we had the leader, <laughs> the leader and class go off three times consecutively. So, yeah, wild. So, yeah. Oh man, I, I, uh, there was a few people in the race thread who were a bit sort of annoyed. We'll put it that way, annoyed that the race got red flags again. Um, but I. I'm just, I'm so glad that they, that no one got injured. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so glad that no one got hurt. Like cars we can replace, barriers we can replace, but the the way that those cars were going off, the speed that those cars were going off, the randomness, like they were aquaplaning at places that they shouldn't have ever been going off. That brings so much uncertainty and so much risk to the people who have to work on the track, the corner workers, the marshals, the recovery teams. Like, can you imagine if a recovery team had gone out to a car shunted up against the barrier to try and extract someone, if it was a serious incident, and then had another group of cars come through and aquaplane in the same spot? Like, we could have had Mm. a a Belisle repeat from, like, two years ago again. Like, it was terrifying. Yeah, and one one or two of our group were also of the same opinion that drivers should just drive drive to the conditions they're faced with. But when when you're putting motorsport's dangerous, yeah, enough as it is, we don't need to put more risk on competitors, spectators, anyone. Officials, yeah. To be fair, though, if they were trying to drive to the conditions they were given with, they probably could have gone better with a sail instead of tires. <laughs> uh, no, just a bummer. Yeah, not really much you can do. It is. Yeah, it it's, is. Sometimes you just have to kind of throw your arms up and go. Well, the weather's one. Rip. Mm. Always it's, wins it's, the first time around, man. You got to get it the second time. That's when it gets better. So what you're saying is I've got to make another flight over next year. Yes, yeah, and you're gonna take me with you. I've had you, three you be- three events that this my first time attendance be ruined by rain. This is really. <laughs> Really weird. So Everywhere so you go, you always take the weather <laughs> with you. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> you, you've, you, we've stepped into supercars chat realm here. If you don't know, we, have, me and Key, we have another show where we talk about V8s, uh, the V8 supercars, and we just ruin a song every week. It's great. You guys should listen to it. <laughs> listen to us ruin songs. Anyway, results for the Daytona 24 Hours. I think we've gotten to that point. Results for the Daytona 24 Hours. So the number ten. The Van der Zander, Jordan Taylor, Alonzo Kobayashi, let's not forget Kobayashi was in that car as well, um, took home the win ahead of the number 31 wheel and engineering car, which is the one that I picked. So I was really annoyed, but that's okay. Um, and then the number seven Acura Team Penske car took home third. In fourth was the Core Autosport uh, Nissan DPI, then JDC Miller Motorsports, and then the other Acura, and then everyone else just sort of had a lot of problems. Um, do you think that was a fair result in the end? Uh, the this one for DPI. Yeah, for DPI. For yeah, yeah. I would, uh, I would say so. Uh, Acura's, I think, probably, uh, maybe if if you would go deserving, they might as a team have had a better race overall than WTR. But WTR just 
way better drivers. And they just, I, I think they had the confidence knowing that they were going to be around at the end. And all they had to do was just make sure the car came on one piece, which they had all the drivers to do that. Mm. And then some, and clearly, I mean, Alonzo put in the sense needed to take the lead, hold it. They had the lead, I think, uh, during the first red flag. So even if we didn't go back to green, they would have won it then. Uh, went to second. I mean, yes, they were technically not the fastest car at the end, but obviously... But they were controlled. That was the thing. That was right. the control. Alonso won it based off of being as on the limit as you can without exceeding it, which is what Nasser... Yeah. Yes, Nasser 100%. I think the, the, the that was what deserved. Yep. And, and no one could take that away. Yep. Uh, outside of saying they didn't do 24 hours. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, meh. No, I've been to other races where they've been cold <laughs> early, and you're like, "Well, what can you do?" Um, yeah. LMP2. There was an LMP2 class. Do you guys remember an yeah. LMP2 class? I, yeah, just L- LMP2 it, was a miss. Get yeah, it. miss. There's no reason for it anymore. This is just—it's dumb. It's kind of it's depressing, isn't pointless it? Pointless class. Yeah, yeah, just go to ELMS, which is what they're going to do anyway. Yeah. So, so the two Dragon Speed cars are just gone. Um, Performance Tech Motorsports were were there, and I think are doing full season. And apparently, PR1 Matheson are committing two cars now for the the LMP2 class. So I mean, there's cars there, but like the the spirit of the competition's kind of dead now. Uh yes yes one thousand percent. It's and we'll it's, see what announcements come for next year. Yeah, it's basically become the new PC or like that year in the WEC when they you had three P two cars and it was just like well what's the point? Uh, sh- uh here's my shock face. Uh, Pastor Maldonado won his class too. By the way, in P- he's P2. not a bad driver. Why do people think that he's he's a He's a good driver when he's not punching people off the track. Right, oh, yes. Okay, whatever. Or being or being a rude SOB. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, next class, GTLM. Now, this was probably the biggest surprise of the event. The winners of GTLM were the number 25 BMW M8 uh, of Farfus, Filippi, and uh, Philippeng, and I think it's Colin Herter. Is that is that correct? Colin Herta, yes, yeah. correct. So this, I think, was the product of the randomness of the end of the race. I don't think the BMW ever had the pace throughout the entire event to challenge for the win, and yet, at the very end of the day, there they are. And second place is the Rizzi Competizione Ferrari as well. Two cars yeah, that Rizzi- really were just never in the picture. Well, to give you an idea, at, um, at hour 20, the BMW was fourth, 45 seconds off the pace. Yep. And that was between the two full course yellow, uh, two yeah. red flags, rather. Yeah. 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 And then they they finished a lap ahead of everyone else, those two cars. No, yeah. Who, who can understand? Yeah. Uh, who, can under- who, who can explain that to anyone? We can't, we can't explain GTE at the best of times. This is true. Yeah, this is exactly right. Um, and then I think the battle that should have been the battle for the win was the third and fourth battle uh, between uh, the 9-12. Beautiful Brumos liveried 9-12. I totally called it, and I was so happy to see those cars when they got announced. Oh. And then the number 67 Ford. They were the two cars, I think, were the ones in the prime position to take the win, at least when I was, you know, before I went to sleep. So, yeah, motorsport is random sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, now, we've just praised BMW for the win. I want to have a crack at BMW here as well. Okay, let's do it. You spend 
six months preparing for a driver with no legs to race in your team. You set your car up with these trick systems. You know what you're doing. And then you break it in the first pit stop. That was hilarious. Man. Seriously, guys. That's like, (laughs) that is like planning for every possibility and forgetting a bolt that you had to screw on (laughs) on the front of the, uh, of the car or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Remember, don't put the steering wheel on when it's like when outside forces you're not ready for are going to jerk the for the the rod all around when you try to put it on which by the way there's like 30 of those really really delicate pins in there which can one of them bend a break and the thing doesn't work oh yep that was oh man that was pretty that funny is... i'm not gonna like okay it was it was funny in a tragic sense to start with but then when once i figured it out it's like okay it's just actually funny um but mm-hmm. i gotta say zanardi was actually on the pace pretty quickly he was only about yeah. one or two seconds behind after two laps of his stint oh for sure i mean he's definitely still got it i, I mean <laughs> you don't need legs to to, to apparently race really fast <laughs> And uh, and yeah, well, yeah, he's also lighter too, so I'm sure that that. Oh yeah, of course. You gotta, <laughs> they gotta, they gotta. I wonder just... if they got. I wonder if there's ballast in the steering wheel. <laughs> Man, that's a that's a mop. can of worms. Mass. That's an absolute can of worms. <laughs> we that, need to get on a, the phone uh... to IMSA this instant. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of something. So yeah, no, I, I I mean I loved it. I wish he could be in the paddock every time. Like I. Not necessarily where I would 100% agree with this, but I'd almost be okay with him over Alonzo being in the paddock. I love Ooh. like seeing him fly around and like I mean he's just clearly he's he's, he's huge in the states though, ambassador. isn't he? He's he's oh yeah a big oh, yeah. figure in the U.S. Big fan because because he was he was massive in car in IndyCar. Yeah, I mean the pass at Laguna is definitely not going to be forgotten. So, um, the only thing I'll say with GTLM is that I just I. I grow tired of IMSA's um, yellow car or your yellow. Yeah. I, yellow I grow tired of IMSA's p- yellow cars as well. The Corvettes can just get stuffed. Uh, they can. <laughs> and same with those, those banana boats. God, those are <laughs> annoying. They're so deep yellow. Um, the yellow fly procedures are annoying as all crap. I really am tired of the wave arounds. Uh, not necessarily where uh, the safety car, when deployed, has to figure out where the leader is and just waves everybody around until the leader. But I think it's per class. Yep. And you basically can wave yourself around if you are in front of the leader of your class during yeah, the safety and then car. You, and then you don't take a pit stop in that sequence, and then you can get your right. lap back by getting the wave around right. again. Look, we had a discussion about this in the preview. We just kind of said that it's different. It's just a function of racing in America, but the uh, it, it is it's it so does cheap. just it it's just, so cheap. It slows everything down, yeah, and it, it does feel a little cheap. Um, especially you get when you laps have, back for no reason. Yeah, Sorry. especially when you have cautions as frequently as you do in IMSA. Like, as I said, mm-hmm. the longest green flag stretch was 90 minutes, and that's not long at all. So Definitely a stark contrast between last year, too. So that yeah. obviously helped the, the teams that were down laps, and which brought them right back into it. I think the 25 was, was – weren't they lapped down early? Yep, and then they got that lap back, but they yep. also ended up – um, I think, yeah, I think that was, no, the 24 was the one that ended up many laps down in the very end. Yes. They still managed to get a bunch of those back, but still, yeah, that's, yeah. that's just a, a peeve, which again, Lamar for this year, that's an improvement for them too. And I like where they're going with that. So I'm sorry, what the hell? Come on. Yeah. Go. Come on. Anyway. Get with the program. The last class, uh, the GTD class, I, again, a total crapshoot. At the end, GRT Grasser racing team won after getting three penalties and going two laps down. 
One one was for the incorrect waiver round, was it not? Yes. Just- <laughs> so they got yes. they got a. I think it's a three minute 20 penalty, mm-hmm. which equates yep. to two laps. So you basically get penalized the lap you gain from the wave round and then another lap. And then they still came, came through and won because who knows? Um, second place so was, the, I, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I disagree. The crap shoot. I think the 86, the outside of the podium, that probably was the deserved winner. And they lost horribly on strategy thinking that they might go back to green yeah. Um, with the last safety cars. So I think they had the lead and were just, they were fast. They had the lead for mm. seven or eight hours through the night. And, uh, uh, I thought the lead oscillated between the 86, the 33, and the 29 quite a fair bit throughout the night. It did. It did. But mm. that 86 was up there. And in the morning, it was up there too. So I, I thought from where they had positioned themselves and they should definitely have either had a shot at it and they just didn't. They yep. they lost because of strategy. So. Yeah, which is a anyway, sorry. Pro- proper shame. Well the, the, well, the 29 wouldn't have mattered in the end anyway. Yes, we'll talk about that too. Yes, uh, we will have to talk about that. Um, pretty raw deal for, I think it was one of the Porsches, the Park Place Porsche, who had to pit a lap before they red flagged it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they dropped them from 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 a potential race winning position down to like sixth or seventh, which was a real pain. And then you had the twenty nine who was leading after that and went off. And then you had the thirty three who was leading after that and also went off. So it was like no one wanted to win that class. And Grasso was just like, okay, I guess I guess we'll win. <laughs> yeah, back to back. <laughs> yeah, those guys earned it though. As, I mean, as well, that's back the to back. team. Mm. We we did put them in as one of the pre race contenders. Maybe not a favorite, but yeah, they just found a way to win, which was honestly a little surprising. I was pretty sure the number thirty three had the had the stones to to win it, but the weather will be fickle. Anyway, uh, Aim Vesta Sullivan in their first race as the Lexus uh, provider finished second, uh, the number twelve car, and then the number eighty eight car, which was the Canada WRT Audi, uh, took home third because. Oh Canada! <laughs> it, it was just ah oh, Canada. It was just a real, real mismatch, smoosh of just weird results at the end. Well, yeah, I mean the 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 race was just a weird mismatch of results at the end. There was just uh, there there wasn't a whole lot of green flag. I mean, people were caught out on terrible strategy due to both those red flag, you know, um, sessions. So. And and they were hamstrung with di- driver time as well. Yes, that was a thing too. That and 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 again, just, that just seems to come up so much in IMSTA. Uh, I mean, there is some that we hear about with WC, ELMS, that kind of stuff. But I mean, like big big gaffes like that seem to just happen in IMSA mm. for the most part, which is strange to me. But so uh, so so no. what, you mentioned the twenty nine earlier. So what actually happened with the twenty nine? Uh, yeah, that was a drive time issue. They, uh, did not, uh, they, or uh, who was, who, somebody exceeded, I believe, drive time. And, uh, so they were disqualified. Wasn't, it wasn't yeah. exceeded. They, they didn't make up the minimum drive time. Oh, it wasn't minimum for that. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay. Sorry. So, of yeah, course, so they, uh, they lost for that. Yeah. Because of the, because of the red flag running, of course, well, not running, they, couldn't put their amateur driver in and they did some level of sort of 
reconfiguring the drive time allowances or the drive time requirements. Um, and apparently, according to Sol, who's in the chat room with us, they were about seven minutes short. So they got, yeah, uh, moved to the bottom of the results, which is a pretty raw deal, you got to say. Pretty raw deal. Uh, well, seven, if, you, if you're seven minutes short in WC competition, you get a penalty of some description, don't you? You don't just get shoved down. Yeah, well, see, the thing is, in WC competition, you also get not classified if you don't finish. Whereas in mm, IMSA, all you have to do is take the start and you get points. So that's why they got moved to the bottom. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Another thing, which is just like IMSA, what the hell? Well, not quite the bottom. The 63 also fell afoul of drive time. Yeah, they also fell afoul of the rear of a Porsche as well. So Yeah, but the red flag was thrown just after that, so they still would have finished Yeah, um, just outside the top 10. <laughs> ah, IMSA, you whimsical beast. I Look, honestly, I've been watching IMSA for four years. The racing is great. The racing is fantastic. I don't understand the results. Like, pfft. Points? Championships? This guy won, I guess. Oh, no, wait. They penalized him. Who knows? It's, it's, it's kind of like a reality TV show with a race in the background. Oh, what do you expect from America? Hey! How do you feel about that, Cookie? <laughs> I feel personally attacked, but uh, Good. it's understandable. Hey, Good. Hey, I've experienced your culture now. I'm offended by most of it. It's fine. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm offended if you weren't offended by my terrible culture. <laughs> Uh, remember when we used to talk about sports cars no what we did travel blocks <laughs> uh, someone else run the show for a little bit I can't uh, wait, I can't okay, do this anymore so let me uh, I had two okay so real quick uh, pit access was fun um, we were able mm-hmm. to kind of get into get some shots of the pits and uh, what was really fun was getting into who was it? NGT's, I think, pit box. Mm-hmm. They had exploded pretty spectacularly, I think, two or three hours into the race. So they were already done. But yeah, yeah that, that was, was that was some times where it's been a while, but like I was there for about two hours, literally in the same spot and didn't move. And it felt like like 40 minutes. I literally went through, I think, two full stints worth just watching pits and just sitting there. Like and that was... So it was definitely mesmerizing. So, being so in there. were you actually seated in where the NGT team had bumped out of? Yes, they moved everything out, like where the wow. crew usually is. Yep. They, they just had the hauler box kind of thing, you know, the NASCAR hauler like you know wheel thing. Yep. So there was a pit crew guy that I think was looking at some strategy, and uh, but then beyond that, they had everything else down. Um, so and even the back flap for the uh, for the tent. So you really didn't know anything. They sealed it up later but in between that time frame you could kind of sneak in there and then just like stay in there and take some pictures that kind of stuff so that was that wasn't that was awesome i don't think i've ever uh kind of zoned out for that long (laughs) and just standing there i didn't not doing anything not holding a beer for that's for sure i haven't done it that long uh without being some form of intoxicated, but uh, that was intoxicating itself. That was a great uh, experience. See, and, uh, I, I, I did a similar thing, but I stayed on the correct side of the accreditation line. Oh, yeah. Okay. You model okay. citizen, you. <laughs> I, um, uh, he's that, representing Australia well. Now, there's he's a, not Australian. There's part, oh, whatever. You know what? There's a part of the, like, part of the paddock pit lane area 
like right at the end of pit lane as the cars come out of the pit lane into turn one. Yep. I just can't be able to, when you can see right through the chain link fence and be right there on the inside. So I sat there for like half an hour just nice. watching cars go by. That sounds sick. And of course, the, the, the way that the pit stops work at Daytona and in IMSA, of course, means that everything kind of happens in that row in front of you and you get that awesome sight line and to have the cars whiz around you as well would have been sick. Oh, the speed differential. Fraction cars going to the pit lane, the cars doing 190 on the track. <laughs> with and no this is wall, miles per hour. Look at you, you're t- talking in miles per hour. What's wrong with you? Man. Yes, Man. conversion is happening. Yes, yes. I will say there's one thing Americans do well, and that's Publix. Mm. Publix? Publix is clutch. Yeah, well, yeah, and you're weird too, dude. You decided to walk like a mile at like six in the morning to go to Publix. Yeah. Like, that's not American. Americans just get in their car and then <laughs> angrily drive to the to Publix. What is Publix? Honking at people. It's a it's grocery a, store. It's oh. a grocery store that, you get that does amazing subs. Yes. Oh yeah, and then you and then we also had we had a really good um a prep or whoever that was. She was uh she was great that I like just like freaking out over that we were all there for a race or something like that. And uh you got like her chicken jerk or something like that mm-hmm. that she's freaking out over and uh yeah, tried, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure she tried to hit on me, but anyway, we digress. That's, right, right, no, right, that's I mean, impossible. I've met you in person, that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it was, it was- uh, it was a ton of fun, man. I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of fun hanging out with you guys, and uh, I definitely do it again. I think too the, it was just so crowded. I think that that was a big takeaway. And Mike was just beside himself. I, th- I think just from what his descriptions were and what he had said when he started coming in 2011 was like, okay, this thing here, there is nobody here. Like this thing yeah. here, there was you would park here for free. This thing here, like you had all this access because no one would show up. But now it's literally like it feels like Sebring that has been here for 60 years and 70 years and has this massive following. And it's just, and it's got, it's inside this. It's not Daytona. Daytona hasn't done anything different. They're not here for the, that huge new superstructure. They're here for the racing. So I think that was a huge sign. And to see all that, uh, when they had the, the, uh, the, the Lamar grid kind of set up and to see all the fans there, I mean, it looked like it was almost a Daytona 500 minus all the people dance. Like it was crazy, man. That's cool. It's grown like Bathurst has over the last yeah, few years. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, that sounds exactly how Bathurst's grown as well. Awesome. Mm. Any other things you want to mention about the weekend? I, I did see a tweet from uh, the Marshall Pruitt uh, podcast of you guys literally in the front row of their live oh, recording yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. I shook their hands. It's great. Nice. Nice. That um, sounds pretty yeah, cool. They- I helped one of our crew members get a hat. <laughs> nice <laughs> oh yep yep i remember that that was that was great they're they're just as insufferable as i imagine them to be in real life so uh <laughs> brilliant they are just perfectly insufferable i love yeah, it's a pleasure to meet both of them so yeah hopefully you, I, hopefully i can try to get in contact and see if i can chat with gg or yeah you're gonna you're so. gonna you're gonna follow through on what i did now don't you you're gonna you're gonna do the american connection i mean what, i don't know if i can what, do that that that, what, that seems what, like what, a more of a commitment here that i, <laughs> I, can I was gonna say you want to follow through on being an insufferable life Right. I mean, also <laughs> yes. Anyway, we're we're way off track. Any any last things you wanted to mention about Daytona before we move on? If you're in America, do it. Yep. Even if you're not in America, do do a Kiwi, fly halfway around the world. If you don't live in America or the world, uh, fly to Earth and see it. If you Terrible if you land, if, if you Delete. live on the international, okay, no, 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 moving on, <laughs> moving on, too Happy far already. 
Okay, so just quickly, Sebring next, uh, doublehead with the WEC. Uh, how excited are we going to be for that one? Yeah, and I should imagine cookies, cookies even more so because he might be there. I, I might be there. I'm, I I might be there Tuesday morning. I'm I'm getting in line this year, so this will be interesting. I'm gonna be hanging out with some of the absolute crazy people that wait in line to get into. Wow, that's infield. a commitment. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. I have to have a. I can't I can't bring my car because there's too much stuff. I have to bring a larger vehicle. So Ooh. we're now to that point of. Of uh, infield camping, Jeez. he brings. So, so basically, I'm really excited. You're bringing an entire house. Yeah, we uh, there's the big upgrade this year because we usually make there's usually an upgrade. Um, so we have two carports this year, which we only have one. Which I don't even know where we're gonna stick that one. We have like a ton of easy ups. We have like two or three. This year though, we have a 30 foot flagpole. Um, that is like, it's got the pulley stuff on it. And we've got, I have a pulsating like LED light that has patterns and stuff. Ooh. So we should be able to see this literally from the other side of the, of the. And you've track. got your new Toyota Gazoo flag now, don't you? I do. I actually have a couple of them. Ooh. There we go. <laughs> Cookie going to be repping the Toyota, Toyota gear. Oh no, serious. No. Okay. By the way, I will do this too. We'll, we'll I obviously we'll say this again before when we get to Sebring, but just before turn 10, like right before they're going to go green, you're going to literally see a dude just doing the whole like Japanese thing. Or I'm just going to be like long pole with a huge flag. I'm just going to be like pushing it up and down. I don't know yep. why they do it, but I'm just going to do that and just be screaming kazoo. So you need to make sure you're paying attention. <laughs> if, right if, you're, if you're at the track or anywhere near the, if the track microphones are anywhere near Kilke, you just hear him screaming kazoo. Oh yeah. He was doing that in the paddock at Daytona. Why? Oh, oh, yes. Oh, oh, we, oh right. Well, well Playing the WEC theme. We didn't talk about what I was doing at Daytona. Okay, so we have to do this before we move on. Okay, so, yeah. um, first off, last thing I before brought. We move on. Yes, last thing. First off, I brought a mobile, like a handheld flagpole that's like 18 feet tall. Jeez. I attached like both Toyota flags to it. And so I would just randomly, as we're walking through the infield, like <laughs> I would just hoist it up. So I would just be waving Toyota flags. <laughs> Why? Uh, and then I, I don't know, because I can. Uh, I try to do uh, LMP once a Daytona uh, yep. at, for, to people. And then uh, lastly, I stuck a speaker in my bag and then I had the uh, WC intro oh, uh, no. music little chime and I had that on repeat and just had that as I was walking <laughs> through the garage. So yeah, oh, that was fun. God. I had a lot of fun. Damn it, Cookie. And I was, and I was walking with him. It was kind of, uh, what the hell? I'm trying oh, to be a walking meme God. here, Flood. All right. <laughs> I can't. I'm seriously reconsidering my plans to come up for Petite. I'm seriously reconsidering. <laughs> if that's what it's going to be like. Oh. Anyway. Moving I, I had fun. Yeah, I, that's, that, no, that actually sounds awesome. I'm not going to lie. Moving on. Um, it's now your turn to ask me questions. Yay. Okay. Um, Woo. Bethurst. Yeah. Best, Bethurst. Experience, <laughs> best, experience, best experience you've ever had. It's it's up there. It's pretty up there. Um, <laughs> so for those who missed it, I put up a massively long-winded post uh, on the subreddit uh, detailing some of the more unique things that I got to do while I was at the Bathurst 12-hour. Um, 
including getting interviewed on local TV for the Tractor Town segment, which was awesome. They basically got a bunch of G- a bunch of the GT3 cars, sent them around the mountain for, on like a show lap, and then down into the town uh, on the on the main street, and then parked them up in like the main square in Bathurst. And then at, I was in there, and at some point, a guy just shoved a microphone in my face, and there was a camera, and they just started asking me questions. I'm like, okay, I, I guess I'm on TV now. Um, <laughs> that was a bit surreal. Uh, and then, of course, the much publicized uh, opportunity I got to jump into the media center and interview Graham Goodwin, which was astounding. Uh, yeah, still one of the... Well, I mean, it will be one of the the coolest things I've managed to do with with this podcast and with just me doing shit um, that I've done so far. Uh, and oh, it was, it was actually really funny um, when I got in there. The commentary team was just stepping out of the box because it was just at the end of practice five on the on the um, Friday. And so I got in, Graham introduced me to Jackie, which is the Radio Le Mans, um social media uh, manager. And then Johnny Palmer came out of the booth and walked around to to meet us. And Graham goes, "Oh, Johnny, this is the guy who runs the place that says you've had a shit year." <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, thanks, GG. Oh, I was ready to just disappear at that point. Um, <laughs> That's How did he take that? He was he, he laughed. He had a he had a, he had a chuckle. Apparently, it's become a running joke amongst the the group of them that just Johnny's had a shit year. So whenever he makes a mistake, it's like, oh, it's okay. He's had a shit year. So <laughs> we did something right. Uh, uh, but actually, no, nah, they were actually really, really, uh, hum- uh, yeah, really humble about it, and um, it was. Interesting being able to talk to them at more of an, you know, an associate level instead of being like just a fan who was just excited to meet them. Like they were talking as if they, well, obviously they know of the sub and they know of the people on the sub. And so being able to interact as like a representative and being able to put, you know, a face to the community and, you know that sort of stuff. It, it, it was very interesting, a very different interaction, um, and yeah, it was just really, really cool. Um, and then, like the the track action was awesome. The race itself was amazing, and oh, I just love Bathurst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's never dull, and this year was no <laughs> no exception. Not even a little bit dull. It was brilliant. Um, so I guess starting with. The Friday action because, well, I wish they ran on Thursday as well. In, in all honesty, yeah, I can because what was this Thursday action like? Was it just it, it was all the support series? Yeah, it was all the support series. There was a lot of practice and then uh, qualifying mm-hmm. for most of the early part of the afternoon, and then the last five events were just races. So it okay, was because I did I did hear a bit about how they thought track action was a bit sparse. I know Reddit's worth not one of your companions posted a nice rant about it yeah look it was certainly less full than it has been in previous years because they added a day to the schedule but only one more support category so it did feel like especially on the saturday there was about two hours where there wasn't really much happening right in the middle of the day but i 
look, I just kind of take this sort of stuff in my stride. I wasn't really too bothered with it. I found time to do other things like catch up on the week in sports cars and, you know, mm. catch up on whatever was happening on Reddit and, you know. And tweet and make me exactly jealous. Yeah, just a, <laughs> just a lot. Um, but yeah, I didn't mind it. Um, it would have been nice if there was like another category, if there was like a touring car masters or an improved production or, you know, Mm. another sort of better than club level event going on. But like, I had fun. I enjoyed it. There was a lot of GT running. Um, so -hmm. like there was what, five practice sessions on the Friday and then another two in the morning plus quality plus a shootout on Saturday before the race. So we weren't starved for GT action. No, that's for sure. And the Friday action was pretty intense and unfortunately lost a couple of cars really early on in the piece. Yeah, uh, Bathurst does take its victim. I, I don't think I've been to a Bathurst 12-hour yet where everyone who turns up for the weekend starts on race day. No, I think I think uh, there's it, been a, 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 DNS, a DNS every single time. It's impossible to, just because of the unforgiving nature of this track. Although, both crashes this year... Both both the race, the weekend ending crashes on the Friday were down at the chase, weren't they? Yeah, the first one was a really weird one. It looked so innocuous. Um, the oh, the Gordon Shedden machine. Yeah, I think it was. I, I don't think it was Shedden in the in the the car at no, the it was time. The yeah, um, he just gassed it up coming out of the chase and looped it and hit the concrete wall, and then that was their weekend. That was literally the first half an hour of running, and that was it. They're done, completely kaput. Um. And then the Black Swan car as well had an almighty crash in the chase uh, at very high speed, missed the tyre barrier on the inside, missed the tyre barrier on the outside, rear of Porsche meet concrete wall at very high speed, and it was not pretty. Uh, the, the pictures I've seen of the actual impact, the stories I've heard, and then seeing the car in pit lane getting taken in on the, the back mm. of the flatbed was... There was like three quarters of a Porsche there and not the part with the engine. And then you got the whole thing was you got that part of it not pretty, and then the response was also very ugly. <laughs> you did you really didn't like this, did you? I don't tweet much. I tweeted my anger about this. Yeah, so for those out of the loop, uh Cookie, have you heard about this? Uh no, I have not. Okay, we'll 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 read you in here. In the aftermath of Tim Pappas's crash at the exit of the chase, it seemed like there was a bit of a lack of urgency slash lack of impetus from the recovery and fire team because there was a not insignificant fire in the back of the car and it appeared that the marshals weren't doing anything about it. So two fans in shorts and thongs and tank tops, basically grabbed the fire extinguishers from the marshal post, ran onto the live track, and extinguished the fire. Now, I'm going to let Kiwi take the floor here, because I feel like he has yeah. some issues that he wants to air first. First thing I'll say, no, no spectator should ever, ever enter a racetrack. Ever especially when you're not trained, you're not wearing the right equipment, you're not, you don't know what the hell's going on, you're not in communication with anybody, let the people who are there to do the job do the job. The fire was not going to go spread in the one minute it took from the fire crews to get from the chase, from the elbow to the chase. 
by the time they got there, they still hadn't put the fire out. Mm. They were filming that much with the fire extinguishers. Now, Flood, you're a marshal. You, you've marshaled yep. a few events. Yep. What are you told to do in situations where there's a car on fire, but you don't know if the driver's in an immediate danger? So we we had a hierarchy basically of of safety. The we get told we get this hammered into us from the very first day we start. The most important person to keep safe is yourself. Next, it's your mm-hmm. fellow marshals, then the driver, and then the car. So in that mm-hmm. situation, if you were not comfortable jumping onto a live circuit, let's not forget this is still a live circuit. Um, and putting out the fire when the driver is in not immediate danger, um, you just wouldn't do it. You'd wait for the recovery team to come in and do their job because that is their job. That's why they're there. They are the recovery team. They are the fire marshals. They are the ones that do the job. Um, yep. So we get that directive, of course, if there if it is a more urgent issue. And look, I'll be 100% honest here. I haven't seen proper footage of it. I haven't seen footage of the incident regarding the spectators either. I um, I can fill in the gaps there. The fire was basically a small fire at the bottom of the engine bay after the after the initial explosion. Yep. There was more a case of, oh, the engine's completely broken. Yeah. It was Sorry. not a case of this fire is going to engulf the car like his fuel tank's been ruptured, like we've seen at Bathurst in the past. Before, yeah. Cars at the, at the Griffin's, um, yeah. Griffin's Bend. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, look, I, if I was in that position, I probably, as a marshal, I probably wouldn't have jumped out into the track because, you know, a live track is a very scary place to be. A, a live track at one of the fastest parts of the racetrack where you don't know if there's anything on the track yep. that's caused to impact you off in such a manner. Yep. You don't know what's coming. There's nothing to stop you if something's coming at an unabated speed, which is what yep. the recovery vehicles can do. They can provide a barrier. Yep. Exactly right. All of these things are correct. Um, And it's because of these things that there's a full investigation going on into the incident and what happened and everything else. So, Mm -hmm. And I hope the full investigation shows that these guys are absolute clowns and should be barred from any other race meeting until they set a marshal's course. Look, again, playing devil's advocate, you can see that they may have found a reason to act in an urgent matter. Whether or not they were correct in that reasoning is another matter. Whether or not... Look, and, and like, there is good Samaritan laws in Australia as well. They're not going to get, you know, barred from everything for trying to do the right thing. It's just like, they're putting themselves at risk and they're putting, like, they're, they're just breaking track protocol, which is the thing. Hmm. And... And that's why I think an appropriate punishment, if they're found to be in the wrong, which I fairly suspect they will be, should be, hey, set a marshal's course, become a marshal, then you can understand what the hell we do. I actually wouldn't mind that. Mm. And then I might realise that, hey, because we can't can't have this precedent of spectators thinking, yeah, it's okay to go on the live track. Yeah, exactly right. Like, and and uh, in a in a conversation I had with Graham Goodwin um, that we didn't record, we were talking about it, and um, he basically said, like, you don't know if there's fuel on the track, you don't know if you're standing in combustible liquid, mm-hmm. you don't have the safety equipment on, you could be in grave danger, you could be putting yourself in grave danger without understanding the situation, uh, and uh, at the expense of trying to be a hero, so... Yeah, it's just one of those things. 
in the end, unless the driver is physically on fire yeah. and is pointing at you and screaming, that man with the fire extinguisher next to him—that's a fan. Save my life because of <laughs> no one yeah. else is coming. Then I guess maybe do it. Yeah, but yeah, any scenario, you're probably putting yourself and others in more danger by being out there. There's no even if you don't see anybody around, and a marshal's hiding in a bush. He's probably doing that in for very good reason. Like yeah. I, and, and no sympathy for people the, that, that go the out mar- there. The Marshall posts at Bathurst is so well laid out because they have so many big, uh, big events there that they they have everything covered. Like I was at the the, the elbow again for a little bit this year, and we watched a, a radical get recovered, and it was like the car stopped. Head marshal, sector marshal was already on the radio to on the emergency loop to talk to the recovery team. As soon as uh, as soon as the session ended, that car, the recovery team was like down there. As soon as the glass car had pulled out, gone past, car was recovered, um, taken off track before the next cars were even queued up on the dummy grid to go out on their qualifying or whatever it was. So they've got, they have the protocol at, in place. So, I mean, it was it was a bit weird, but. It's happened. You just be glad that nothing worse has come about. And yeah, hopefully we don't see something like that happen again. Now, as Cookie said, if it's a different situation where someone uh, someone is in grave danger, then circumstances might be different. But from what I've heard, I'm not going to make any like definitive judgment on this because I haven't seen it. And I don't have a, I don't have all the facts, so I'm not going to make a fully formed opinion on it until I've got all the facts. But it sounded unnecessary at best. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Unless, no need to save the car. Yeah. The car will 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 be fine. You can build a car. You can rebuild a car. To be fair, though, the, for watch. the Black Swan guys, that was two big shunts in two weekends. Uh, for them and I was in the pits Friday afternoon and we caught a glimpse of the team bumping out and I'm actually just going to put this photo up in Discord now um, just so that way you guys get an idea so we got to the back of the pits and they were bumping out they were taking everything apart tearing it down and getting ready to go home and the only thing that they had left in that garage was a pile of tools at the front of the garage, a bunch of boxes on the side, and a solitary American flag hanging from the ceiling, which was morose and solemn and just a really tough sight to witness. It just looked mm. it looked like they'd had especially, a rough week. Yeah, especially early on in the week as well. Um <laughs> There's no worse sight. Like I saw, walking around the garages, I saw the masters at Daytona in the pit. Similar thing, just sitting there, no work being done. And it just felt like, oh, jeez, guys, I'm, I feel bad for you having to do this. Yeah, should mention as well, Tim Pappas was actually pretty banged up after it. He's yep. currently recovering. We wish we wish him all the best. Yeah, recovering um, back at home in California, yep. I believe. Um, he was diagnosed with a broken shoulder and pelvis i think is what i Mm. remember hearing i was actually in the media center when that news came through so i was one of the first people to actually hear that (laughs) dang damn with the scoop yep there you go 
Yeah. That's why that's why you guys tune in, tune in, you know, almost two hours into these podcasts. So you guys get these uh, scoops. It, to be <laughs> fair, it scoops. is only an hour and a quarter in, but we should get keep uh, moving. Well, there you go. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on to quality. Yeah, it I was. Never, a- I didn't- I didn't get to see Quali because I was at Bowls. How was Quali? It was it was a weird session. Um, it was it was just a it was just a bit of a mess. Like a lot of things that all of the teams you expected to be really up there. You know the the Walking Horse, the the Team Schnitzer, the Triple Eight team. They had a torrid weekend. The Triple Eight team. Everyone thought that they were going to be the team to beat, and they were for the most part nowhere. Um. And, uh, like, a bunch of those really big pro teams just didn't seem to have the pace when it mattered. Only one of the um, Earl Bamber Motorsports Porsches got in. Only, uh, only I think... The big surprise for me was the fact that there was four AMG Mercedes that made the shootout. And of those four, two of them were pro-am cars. And none of them were the Triple Eight. It was kind of astounding. Mind you, the Triple Eight had bigger issues. They just didn't get a handle on the car early on. They didn't get a handle on the car at all. That's true. That's true. We'll get to that mm. in the race. But so in the end, uh, I I was able to catch the shootout, and boy, was that a lot of fun. It was. It was pretty wild. Uh, the yeah. car that went out second, um, meaning they qualified in ninth, ended up mm-hmm. taking pole. Well, uh, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> but no it was, it was a mega lap this is the R Motorsport crew uh, yeah. of course they were they were never destined to start on pole because of reasons yep they picked up a two place group penalty for speeding yep. in pit lane in qualifying yep yep but <laughs> now do you understand what the actual infringement was because I yes don't... so okay. there was the, the long and the short of it was there was a miscommunication between the team between ProDrive, who build the cars, and between the organizers who set the BOP, um, where in the mandated ECU for the car at that balanced performance was over-revving the engine by like one or 200 revs or something. It was basically, basically the car was running out of homologation for this event. Um, so they only found it after the qualif- the the shootout lap, and so they only penalised the shootout lap. Um, it was a m- an amazing lap by Jake Dennis, by the way, uh, in the R Motorsport. Um, it was, st- it was stunning. It was by far the best lap of that session. It was like four tenths faster than everyone else. So even with that running out of specification, they would have they would have gotten pole regardless. But yeah, it was just a shame that to we we only heard we we only had, saw the news break as I only saw it literally as I was in my swag to go to bed on the Saturday night. Like that was that was when we saw it. It was about nine thirty Saturday night that yeah we saw that news. So yeah, a bit of a wild one. So, so, bit of a wild one. So they ended up starting twelfth. Uh, group was a group M that ended up with the Alan oh, yep. trophy and the Allison Simonson trophy. Yep. Um, with Craft Bam- Craft Bamboo Black Falcon. Uh, AMG on second place, second place on the grid, and then the Bentley, and then the Bend Motorsport Park AMG in fourth. <laughs> uh, Davy Reynolds. Yeah. So I, I just want to make a comment on that. Davy mm-hmm. Reynolds was the only V8 Supercars driver who got their car into the top ten for qualifying, and the only guy, only V8 Supercars driver to do the shootout. 
surprising, really. Yeah, I would have thought. The amount, the, the amount we talk about, you know, track knowledge being key. Hmm. It was a bit. Yeah, it was. I mean, like you look at the other names on that list, though. Raffaele Marcello, Mario Engel. Mario Engel has got track knowledge here in a V8 as well. Um, Stephen Kane, Kelvin Vanderlind, uh, Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell is a okay. bit of an exception in that list. Um, but Yelma Berman in another AM AMG. Christopher Haas uh, t- getting the reins. Actually, just quickly, Kelvin Vanderlinder uh, was driving with Garth Tander that weekend as well. So Garth didn't get her on that car uh, for the shootout. And then Alexander Imbratori as well. So, you know, big names, but no V8 drivers. Hmm. Weird one. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, what's going on with your boys over there? Yeah, it was really odd. I mean, a lot of the V8 drivers were in a, a smattering of different cars. So, of course, we mentioned the Triple Eight. They qualified 19th. Will. Um, Chaz yeah. Mostert was um, in, the, in the 42. He qualified, I think, in 12th. Well, the Hub Auto Corsa car. Yep. That was the, you know? the next one I was going to get to. So the Hub Auto Corsa car was the Ferrari. They had a problem in qualifying and finished last out of the GT3 cars uh, in, I think, 21st. And that car early on in the session looked like it had the pace to possibly challenge for the top 10. Um, so it was a bit raw that they got a bit ripped off like that, but that's the problems of motorsport, I guess. <laughs> That's why we love the sports side. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, race day, you getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning? I mean, I got to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning for work anyway, but let me tell you, mm. much prefer getting well, up I, at stupid I, o'clock for racing than for work. Well, I, I also had to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning for a tournament that ended up getting cancelled anyway, so you go me. Hey! Oh, bummer. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Did you get to watch the race but live, no. Cookie? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, it, it works out pretty well over here. It's like 1 p.m. local time for me. It's the race start, and then it ends at 1 a.m. Oh, it's so like the a, inverse so of Sebring. It's a normal time. It's yep. a normal time to watch a race. Yeah, it's yep, like the inverse exactly. of Sebring for us. But then you don't get, but then you don't get the beautiful sunrise. Oh, sunrise. <laughs> I got to say, that first hour of running at the Bathurst 12-hour is so special every year. I, yeah, there's just nowhere else in the world where you start in darkness and the dawn breaks and it's just gorgeous and i took a bunch of photos and it was gorgeous and oh, i love it i love it i love it a lot yeah and it's, um, a, it's a beautiful beautiful alarm clock as well i mean you better hope it's not an alarm clock because if it's an alarm clock you've already missed the first hour of racing <laughs> i'll admit the car's going by at full speed no <laughs> and and thankfully this year not many cars going from smash in the first hour yeah, um, it was pretty clean. We had we had one pretty big incident early on the race, and that was the number twelve competition motorsports uh, Porsche going off at McPhillamy, so just over the hump from where I was. And that really annoyed me because I was so looking forward to seeing Jackson Evans in the race. And so was I. Ah, oh, it was like his second. It was like David Calvert um, Calvert Jones' second hot hot lap as well. So. Ah, uh, so much angst. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to see that card do well. Been? Yeah. Yeah. Save the bosses. Yeah. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> it was the story of the race, really. There weren't that many big incidences. Incidences. Mm. Incidences. 
Um, no, I mean, well, we, we've got 10 DNFs, 9 DNFs. Yeah, I mean, there are that. a and couple on here, but not uh, not really the main heavy contenders. Yeah, sort of? that's not too bad for a field of 41. Um, yeah, 15 total. Uh, and a fair number of those were due to mechanical yeah. because it was so warm so and hot and moist. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a very sweaty day. Um, yeah, I think the only really big instance I can recall was the David Calvert-Jones at the top of the, the mountain, the Class B Porsche mm. at the top of the mountain, um, Hub Auto Corsa running into the back of a uh, Ford Focus Mark car into the cutting, oh, sorry, into the elbow, and I think that's it. The other ones were just like little incidences. Oh, and then there was Vervish who nicked the wall at McPhillamy, broke the rear axle, and then uh, came to a stop somewhere over Skyline as well. Yeah. yeah. Some of those shots it, with the sun rising, though, in the morning, That uh, I think the video was posted in the sub, and then there's a couple of photos. That was impeccable. That was like yeah the the, <laughs> the, the few other years the few other years i've been there it's been pretty cloudy in the morning so it's really cool this year it was a flawless sky the sun rose and it was just instant warmth and you could see the mist mm. of the mountains ahead of the like over the town just just lifting up it was like yeah, it was like pulling the curtains back on a beautiful day of racing. Like, just check out the live stream and just watch that first hour of the sun coming up. It's just, it's it's a yeah. it's a beautiful thing, man. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, there was there's one other crash as well that we that I want to mention. Yep, Garth Tander <laughs> into oh. the back of Christina Nielsen on her first hot lap of the mountain. Yeah, oh. yeah, Garth Tander just. Being Gartana, going for a gap that was never there. Oh, look, you could understand his reasoning. Like, he's thinking it's a lap traffic. They're going to pull out to the side and give me the inside line, which is, you know, generally what one would do. Christina's thought the others. She's like, okay, I'm going to let him go around the outside and I'll just take the inside line and tuck in. And, you know, both, yeah, both cars trying to go the same space of road. It was just a bit, it's a bit dumb. But, just a wee bit dumb. Yeah. But the thing is, at a track like Bathurst, that's a problem. At a track like, uh, you know, a, a Class 1 circuit like Paul Ricard or something like that, you just <laughs> run into car park. So, <laughs> yeah. no, no car park up the mountain. Mm. Um, but what we did get uh, towards the second half of the race, which was amazing, was the longest green flag period in Bathurst 12-hour history. Something like... It was about four and a half hours? Four and a half hours, yeah. Um, from when the number 91 Mark car broke down heading up to the cutting um, to very late in the race where the KTM number 50 car broke down on the way down Conrad Strait. Now, that was... That was just beautiful. A beautiful period of running on a track like Bathurst as well. Like, you, Let's not forget, you're millimetres from concrete walls 90% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, what I, there, there were two things I loved about that green flag running more than anything. One, it gave BOP, and, the, and I know you loved it as well, the BOP differences a chance to shine. Yeah. And two, the physical exertion the drivers had to put in for those stints. Mm. Oh, yeah. Was, they were 
they were phenomenal stints. The fact that none of them, that no one had a massive incident as a result of exhaustion just shows how amazingly fit these guys and girls are. Yeah, and we had a few drivers actually have to have to quit, basically. Not, not like, remove themselves from the race, but, like, having to shorten their stints to get out of the car because it was that mm. much of a, sh- a, a struggle. Um, but, yeah, the, the way that the BOP worked for this race was amazing. So, coming up to the last stint of the race, I guess we'll, we'll do this and then we'll backtrack a bit. Coming up to the last stint of the race, you had... Seven cars from six manufacturers. You had the Group M uh, AMG, uh, the number triple eight, which somehow was still alive, uh, the Porsche nine eleven, um, or was it nine twelve, nine eleven, nine twelve. Sorry, um, our Motorsport AMG, the KCMG Nissan, and the Bentley um, from uh, Bentley one hundred eight from M Sport, of course. Now. Each of those cars had different strengths in different parts of the race. So the the group uh, the AMGs were very good at getting their tires up to temperature quickly and were very quick over one lap, but they couldn't really sustain that over a full stint. The uh, the Aston Martin seemed to just be good a bit everywhere. Uh, the Porsche was able to go a lap or two longer on its fuel and was very kind to its tires. The Bentley was super fast in a straight line. The uh, the the sorry the KCMG the Nissan was also really quick in a straight line but had a little bit more nimble nimbility over the top of the mountain and you got to see each of these cars uh, uh and of course the 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 BMW as well um was in the mix throughout as well but you got to see each of these cars play to their own strengths throughout that entire section throughout that f- four hours that we had and it blossomed into a bunch of different divergent strategies that were all going to come together for the last little bit. And I think the the sequence of the last pit stops was... It was it was reminding me of Fuji 2016. Do you remember Fuji 2016, uh, the WEC race? Where it was like, do we take tyres or do we not take tyres? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was very similar. Um, and what I love about it as well, you know, you had, you had that game of... Okay, we've got fresh rubber, but what's the penalty? About a minute to put it on. Mm. And I and think that, we... And that's... On, on top of that, that's also track position as well. Mm, mm. And we saw... You know, we saw... Ibsen Fro's like, okay, the, it's now favoring the Porsche, but no, the green flag's gone too long, so the Porsche's now going to make an extra stop. Now, these guys are the favourites, and now, oh, these guys are not taking tyres, so this is an amazing strategy play. And yeah. just four hours of that... <laughs> it was beautiful. And I think yeah. I think the broadcast team. I think Chad Chad Nalon, who was the guy in the um in the oh. in the bunker there, he did a fantastic job of explaining it, which was really really he cool. He nailed it. Mm. He the whole, the whole production was nailed, but we digress. <laughs> Cookie, what did you, what did you what did you think of our Australian production values? Obviously, a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet he's just completely tuned out and just letting the Australians talk about Bathurst, which I mean is fair enough. Yeah. Um, that's fair, but, but but to get to that point, games. Sorry, to, yeah. get, to get to that point, they need to keep their noses out of trouble. And we already mentioned Garth Tanner getting into trouble. Vervish got into trouble. Uh, the other Audi had a steering rack problem, got them into trouble. One of the Porsches had another uh, a steering rack problem of themselves, got into trouble. The number one hundred and seven Bentley, uh, I think, had a tire issue or a fueling issue that uh, dropped them a lap down. Uh, so it was all about getting into that last little bit of the race without running into an issue. And that's why we were able to see 
the the massive fight that we did from guys like the Triple Eight team because they were struggling all day, but they just kept their noses clean and they managed to stay out of trouble. And then all of a sudden, come the end, they were in with the fight. So yeah, mm. yeah. I, and just my Triple Eight. Hey, I've cookies never seen Craig Leon. Hey, hey. I just I just know Triple H, I was going to say, I've never seen Craig Dion so pissed off when he got out of the car before. Pissed off or absolutely rooted? Both. <laughs> I can only think of once before, and that was, uh, I think, 2006 in Adelaide, where he got spun out in the first corner and then had to fight the entire day in 40-degree weather to get back up onto the podium. And he just looked dead when he got out of the car. Like, he looked like a zombie. Uh, quick question: Is there anybody outside of Matt Campbell that could have gotten Driver of the Day? Ooh, that is a great question. Ooh. Jake Dennis. Yeah, I'd say Jake Dennis as well. Uh, yeah, he he, was, he broke out this race. Mm, he he had really the Chio did. race of 2015, but this race mm. he he'll become a not a household name, but a Bathurst household name now because of because of his race. I mean, also Matt Campbell, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we should talk about that final stint because, okay, you had, we had a KTM go bye-bye yep. on Conrad and the safety car was the only call they could make, which I'm sure disappointed me because I was looking for the strategy finishing up. But you can't leave a car there. And it led to one half an hour of some of the most intense racing we've seen at the mountain. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's, Bathurst <laughs> always turns on a grandstand finish. Um, look... Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think had the race been allowed to finish under green flag conditions, Aston Martin were in the the box seat to win that. Oh, yeah, it was Armada race to win if that Mm. that was the case. Um, But the drama, it was to what it was, so yellow flag, and the drama started before it came to green. So on, uh, we've got a we've got a rule in Australian motorsport that once a safety car leaves the field. The field is under the control of the leader of the the pack and you can't swerve out of position. Now, this is because there was an incident. I can't recall exactly when it was, but basically someone swerved out of position. That meant that someone else thought it was the cue to go and then there was a massive kerfuffle. Cars got broken. So we have this rule that once a safety car leaves the field, you can't swerve. Screaming at the top of the mountain, don't you bloody swerve, guys. Just don't swerve. What does the KCM do? Play swerve. Swerve. Oh. And I'm guessing, the groan, I'm guessing the groan from the top of the mountain was heard over the country. Oh, it was like, you could hear it for miles. It was just a collective <laughs> deflation of everyone in a GTR shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Understandably. So they, they dropped so off. They dropped off. Not as tragic as what happened to the Bentley, though. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so that I, I don't know how you can make the same mistake twice. For those out of the loop, uh, Andy Suchek, on his first stint, uh, went to release the pit limiter um, from the car and accidentally hit the kill switch. Okay, look, you can, that can happen. It was under yellow flag, didn't cost them all that much time. You got back onto the tail of the field and away you went. Now, out of the last pit stop, Andy's been put back into the car... It's a very you know time-sensitive pit stop. He's got to get out ahead of, I think, third place on the road, which was the BMW at that time, to hold his track position, to gear himself up for the final stint. And he does the same thing again. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fat finger. Now, we've seen, we've seen the steering wheel, like the image of the steering wheel, 
Bentley, for Pete's sake, buy a tin of blue paint. Yeah. Like one of the buttons blue. For God's sake. Yep. Yep. Yes, please. Thank you very much. It was... Oh, it was just dumb, and it was such a brutal way. Because because Bentley Bentley have been so close at Bathurst so many times, and for them to lose mm. it again in such a dumb way is just it's, yeah. It's 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 a sucker punch. It's a it's a sucker punch. Well, I commented that in a, in the race preview that hey, this is Bentley might finally do it this year. They could have. They could have. They absolutely could have. To be to be real though, any one of those seven teams at the end could have got could have done it once the safety yeah. car came out. But I think really the only team that properly had a chance was that Alabama Motorsports Porsche with Matt Campbell because they were the ones who had tires. And yes, Matt Campbell in Would that you- final stint was a freaking demon. It's actually surprised me that none of the other teams thought, oh, "Okay, let's check some tires on this." Well. Mate. Uh, the Triple Eight guys did. Oh, the Triple Eight did, yes, but yeah. I'm surprised um, Bentley did. About... Yeah, yeah, especially after that faux pas. Mm. Um, but we should talk about that final stint now because you mentioned Earl Bamba Motorsport, Matt Campbell. Yep. What a what a drive! But do you, <laughs> do you think he skirted? Do you think he skirted the line of what was acceptable at times? Okay, uh, similar to what we were talking about earlier. I haven't seen good enough angles on on the main incident that we're going to talk about, uh, so I have no opinion. Um, I have a few comments, but I don't have a fully formed opinion. Uh, okay. But what I will say was balls the bloody wall. <laughs> yeah, especially seeing that Porsche was not the fastest race car. Well, it was... It had a few things going for it that the, the other teams didn't. It was kind to its tyres, and it's pretty kind on fuel. And it was an overall decent package. It wasn't like the... At that stage, the Aston Martin was dead on its brakes um, and had mm. no tyres. None of the AMGs had tyres because they all had taken the gamble to to run that extra long last in. So it had that going for it. But to be able to pull off those moves in those circumstances, of course, the, the one into the chase is the one that everyone's a bit uh, about on the number 42, the, the BMW... The, the the move against Marciello in Hell Corner was straight out of a Carrera Cup race. Like, <laughs> yep. Ride the nose of the car, point it into the apex, and just hope the back holds on. And boy, did it hold on. Um, and then that move of the elbow is... That's 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 the Australian version of the pass, basically. That's basically, that's basically, that's basically Australian supercars coming out. Oh, yeah. There's nine tenths of the gap. I'm going for it. Yeah, pretty much. So, <laughs> okay. To, to to answer your original question, did he skirt the rules? No, but I wouldn't want to see I, more more than that. I mean, I'm happy with the Aston pass. I'm definitely happy with the AMG pass. We never got a good enough angle of the Beamer pass, but there is a question mark of how far alongside he was there. Yeah. But at the same time, when you got 20 minutes to go in a big race you tend to tend to let it go yeah 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 let him mm. boys have at it type of attitude mm. what was your thoughts cookie did you have a look at that pass uh this was the Late one on the, the bmw correct yeah on the bmw yeah, yeah. um yeah, consistency is really what i'm looking for so um i would probably have 
wanted to see a penalty on that just because I feel like that would have received a penalty in a lot of other scenarios, okay. he thinks. But um, I think I, I, I don't think you can penalize them after what happened, safety car, and then they were already, you know, um, I, for for an incident that should have already been like uh, decided, I think a couple laps after that happened, um, there really wasn't uh, too much that I think could have been done mm. after the safety car happened. I just, there would have been so much egg on your face, couldn't do it. So, yep. Um, yeah, I don't like to see the move done, but I think everything was fair the way it was handled. No penalty because you can't do it after not doing it in the first couple of laps. That's, that's fair enough. Um, I think what they could have done is maybe apply a time penalty at the end of the race, um, which would have added another element of drama. Um, but I'm quite happy that they didn't because it would have just kind of ruined the allure of the end of the race, in my opinion. Well, we'll see... We've seen Bethes thousands injured by time penalties before. This is true, and and actually, a lot of people have been comparing this incident to an an incident which has incurred a time penalty at Bathurst in the later stages of the race. So this is talking twenty sixteen at Bathurst um, between Jamie Wincup and Scotty McLaughlin. Um, of course, in this situation, Jamie Wincup made a similar move into the chase, got it all crossed up, made contact with Scotty McLaughlin. Um, went to redress the pass, so allow Scotty back past. Garth Tander was hot on Jamie's tail, moved out of Jamie's wheel tracks to overtake him, made contact with Scott McLaughlin, and then both of those cars were out of the race, and it was just a bit of a mess. Now, the thing for me that is the major difference between that move um, in the V8 Supercars, uh, which is a pretty famous move, you can probably find it on YouTube if you're in- intrigued, and what I've seen of the Campbell pass on Chaz Moster, which also ended up with Chaz off the track, let's not forget, is that Matt Campbell was in control of the Porsche throughout the entirety of the move. Mm-hmm. In the V8 Supercars case, Jamie Wincup was not in control of his car when it was making contact with uh, Scott McLaughlin. So I think... this is yeah. I think that is the differentiating factor between the two incidents. Again, I'm going to put out the disclaimer. The only angle I've seen was 40 meters away from the the TV screen that was at the track at the top of the mountain and the top angle from the Regis Hotel down that really crappy angle that doesn't show anything. That's the only thing I've seen. I've seen it from 40 meters away. So That's the only angle I think I've seen as well. Yeah. So that's and I have, what I'm I have full on. confidence that race control would have made the right decision here because they had a pretty good weekend. So I don't think they would have got the ball here. Yeah, I I totally agree. Just quickly, um, thoughts on the the pushing and shoving at the elbow to make that move for the lead? Eh, it's racing. I actually think it was one of the best moves I've ever seen. Like, yeah, there's a little bit of contact on the on the turning point just so that way the Porsche can actually get alongside. But that's that's just the pass. Yeah, that's just, yeah, that's just it's just good racing. Mm. Hard racing. What do you that's think, Cookie? You, have you seen anything like that at like Laguna Seca or something? <laughs> uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it uh yeah, but uh, I did incredible moves at the end of the race, so uh, you can't really almost say 
much more. I mean, yeah, fine. There's contact, and I probably, you know, I I wouldn't have been upset if there was a penalty. I could have understood it, uh, but I think, um, I think that move, and then I'm I'm still impressed with us, um, especially mm-hmm. just at the that that final one uh, that Campbell had on the uh, Aston Martin was mm-hmm. uh, just incredible because of just how um, uh, how the car is just unstable through that that area and there's just not a whole lot of grip there's i mean you have to have so much supreme confidence of the car to throw it in that place and then just for him not to hit anything and just be millimeters off the wall like that just nuts i don't think i've seen a pass Mm. like that in a long time so Mm. i mean there was was nothing wrong with it he he never left the track surface or the racing surface he didn't make it yeah consequential contact he did everything right and he and and as it showed he just he just checked out in the end, didn't he? Yeah. I think that is Even also I- a bit of a mitigating factor in both of these incidents mm. is the fact that there was no way that either of those cars were keeping Matt Campbell behind for long. It was a matter yeah. of when, not if. So it kind yeah, of and, goes... And our oh, motorsport said as much afterwards. They were like, mm. ah, this, look, he was faster than us anyway, so we can't, we're not complaining about the pass. Yep. And that's that's fair enough. And Chaz said the same as well. So mm. I, I guess all is well that ends well. Just... Something well, I've Chess, just thought Chess of. Chess is the same because he's done it in the past. Exactly. Something I've thought of. Matt Campbell now has won the 24 hours of Le Mans and the Bathurst 12 hour in mm-hmm. the last cycle of events. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not bad for a young bloke. No, not bad at all. And I'll also <laughs> I'll also freely admit I had written off Porsche coming into this weekend because I didn't think they brought the same quality of lineup as they did last weekend last year. So I will very, very happily admit that I was wrong and I apologize to Porsche and I should have never doubted you because you're amazing. Oh, it's almost like Matt Campbell knows how to drive these endurance races. Exactly. Well, t- to be honest, like the team was what? Dennis Olsen. Uh, uh, the nine one twelve was Dennis Olsen, Dirk Werner. Dirk Werner and, and Matt Campbell. Yeah. So like that's not exactly world beaters yet. So... Yeah, it's it's no Vantor, do uh, Estra and Makaveki. <laughs> so <laughs> this is true. Yeah, bit wild. So so, yeah, I, so the question I have for you guys is that the best race of 2019 already? So far, yeah. Because I li- I live and hope we get something better. Because if we do, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, it'd be it'd have to be pretty good to top that. There's every chance an ELMS race this year could be just as good because of the quality of the grid they've announced there, but it's, I find it hard to beat. Yeah, a tw- especially a 12-hour event like that. Like, you've got to be thinking, like, Nürburgring or Le Mans or Petit Le Mans to, for something for that much of a build-up to that sort of climax, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I don't think it's going to get be- get beaten. I reckon Bathurst 12-hour... Best race of 2019. Uh, John Hindor even said it's one of the top three endurance races he's ever seen, which... Yeah, but how many endurance races has he seen? Like two? <laughs> At least. <laughs> Maybe times that by like 100? <laughs> yeah, no, that's incredibly high price from Hindor. He just loves coming down here. I, they all do. They are just enamored by the opportunity to come to Australia. And, I mean, why wouldn't you? A- again... 
just uh, on another aside, catching up with Redditors at the Mountain is always a lot of fun. And I actually got a chance to catch up with uh, Tumpor, who has done the Spotter's Guide for the Bathurst 12 Hour the last few years. Um, he came all the way from Europe to to come and watch this event. I got an awesome chance to walk him around the track in some of the support events and show him all the cool viewing angles and that sort of stuff. So it was, yeah, it's really cool. And I implore anyone who's ever thought of doing it to come out and give it a go. Um, yes, indeed. Be- Flood will pay for your airfares if you're coming from around the world. Uh, yes. that's, that's what I got from that. Okay, thanks, Bob. Um, yeah. awesome. I didn't say sure. this. <laughs> I did not say this. Yes, you did. Nah, not at all. Uh, should, we, should we talk about the results? Because we, there was more than one class in the race, and I think we should watch yeah. the other classes as well. Yeah. Um, it's obviously Pro or Bamba from R Motorsport from Group M. A very Pro unhappy winner. Group M. Yeah. Oh, don't weave under safety car. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Uh, Pro Am, the spirit of race, Paul Dallalana. Woo! He he had an interesting weekend, didn't he? Yeah, coming from <laughs> almost no practice running on Friday after an early incident, waiting for parts to get shipped up from Melbourne to finishing first in the Pro Am class on the Sunday. What a turnaround! Ah, oh, awesome. I'm so I'm so annoyed yeah. that I didn't go and say hi to him throughout the race this year. <laughs> Next time. But next time. Yeah, that was a well-deserved result. Uh, Matt Stone racing in second. Also, woo! The pretty big yes. name in Australian motorsport, so I'm very happy with that. Mm-hmm. Also, a complete sidebar. Have you seen the new livery for the supercar? It's oh like the God. green-eyed monster without green eyes. Anyway, we'll talk about oh, that yeah. in supercar chat. Yeah. And uh, Hallmark racing third there. Uh, Class B, Grover wins, lol. Yeah, what we expect. Uh, by, I think, it, in the end, because of all the dramas... They won by many, 20 laps. Yeah, many laps. Class I was a case of last man standing for the number 20 Mark II Mustang. Just a quick sidebar on the 20, the the the, the mm-hmm. Mustang, the Mark Mustangs. By God, they were the loudest things I've ever heard in my entire life. They were, they were loud <laughs> to the point of being painful. I'm not kidding. Like, oh, wait, have you heard the Porsche then? No, 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 no. Like, the Porsche was loud, and it's like a shrieking loud, and it's fantastic, but this was louder than that by yeah, a but lot. That's not the RSR, is it? No, no, well, it's. I think it's got the same. It's similar, but it's not the same. Yeah, it's, it's similar, but not the same. They tried to, but it's different. Dude. It is it, different. The RSRs yeah. are much louder. But yeah, yeah, I do. Those Mustangs, I think they were no, at. No, no, you, don't, you don't understand. They were painful to it's, listen to it's a it's a different sort of loudness yeah the uh the porsches are that really hot the gtes uh are that, quite a high-pitched really loud wine these are just a deep loud throaty roar i i've got some pure sounds like lada brought along a binaural microphone which was freaking awesome so i got some pure sounds to, that i recorded over the top of the mountain and in the chase and you will understand what I mean when I say it's painful to listen to when I jack the gain up to like 11 and play this and it'll just hurt. And it's going to be amazing. <laughs> awesome. And uh, Class C, there were three KTMs in the race. One made it to the finish and that one, 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 one. Yay, fantastic. Yep. Um, 
good on them. And uh, the Jokers and the Strong, Mark Carr's BMW came second. And the only Ginetta in the race finished the race eventually. <laughs> eventually. After Brad Schumacher threw it off the road so many times. <laughs> yeah. Um, what an event, though. Bathurst 12-hour, oh. just every single year. Same thing as what you, you said Mike was saying about how it sort of grows year on year. Same again. It The, the camping has... They had 2,000 campsites sold at the top of the mountain. Uh, mm-hmm. Gazebos everywhere across the top. The The paddock was always just full of people. It's becoming a real worldwide GT event. And I just, it's so cool to be a part of again and again and again. I can't wait to go well, back they again. Said it, well, they, they set the re- attendance record this year. Was it 48 over the four days? Yep. That would be about right. They said it again the year mm-hmm. before, and the year before that, and the year before that. Yep. Um, yes, okay, it's a quarter of the thousand, but you know what? Something great to Australian culture, mm. that if the um, if the 12 I can get anywhere near that, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Big. Yeah. Cookie, you got to get out here one day. One day oh, we're going to get you more. perched up on Take the mountain, out. camped in a swag, eating yes. freaking bacon and eggs off a hot plate, Straps yes. to the roof of your car. Yes. Mm-hmm. Drinking drinking BB out of a tinny. Oh, nah. Just ruin the entire experience there. Side, sidebar. Sidebar. Graham Goodwin. What the hell are what you doing? The, mm, I, I like his follow-up comment on that. It's just like the most Australian response. Everyone just criticizing my choice of beer. And <laughs> of course. What was worse? He's drinking Victoria Bitter in Sydney. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. And yeah, anyone else, anyone right. outside of Australia is just listening, going, "What the hell are they talking about?" It's fine. Um, to be fair, everyone inside Australia also says that whenever we talk. So you know, yeah, tit for tat. Um, just quickly, <laughs> final thing about the Bathurst Twelve Hour uh, broke the distance record. Did shattered it. Shattered it. Did nineteen hundred and thirty-eight kilometers, three hundred twelve laps uh, in the second half of the race. This, the last twelve hours did one hundred and sixty two laps so one more than a 1000 uh and yeah just a phenomenal exhibition of gt driving really yeah and you saw it at the end even gizzy who's one of the fittest racers in the paddock just lying next to his car at the end of it going god this hurts yeah yeah he looked uh, beat. <laughs> mm, apparently, apparently they had no f- no helmet fan for the entire race and cool suit oh. failure, cool suit failure oh, in like hour three. So, oh. and on top of that, the braking dramas they were having meant that they were he was using both feet to brake because his left leg was uh, cramping so much that he couldn't apply enough pressure at the high braking zones to actually stop the car. The fact that they brought their car home fourth. A miracle. It's, it's a miracle. The, f- the fact that Mercedes AMG are whitewashing problems with the car again mm. when he's Australian driving it. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Let's not go there. Let's not. Let's in- any any last comments? What what was it like watching it? Did you did you guys get that same sort of wonder and excitement watching it as I was at the track? I'm bearing in mind I watched it I was watching it over five days because see people have to work and earn money. <laughs> who needs that but it was I get to get a sense of, and I was posting it in the chat going okay building up building up oh my god oh my god what the hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Cool. So that got across then. Fantastic. What about you for you, Cookie? <laughs> what was it like watching no. in your in your bedroom in Florida? Um, just the uh next I mean not a next step here, but I guess just the continuation of sports car racing just kind of becoming more of a bigger deal. I I, I think. Um in terms of viewership, I mean people attending. I mean obviously with the Rolex twenty four that had a pretty high attendance for what I've been uh, for sports car racing and then to have Bathurst after that seemed to be pretty much just jam packed and then have an excellent race to go on uh, along with it uh, really helped and I do love the the coverage as much as it's it's very much a um you know it, it a tv production kind of thing um frankly it, it felt a lot like the Indy 500 um that kind of stuff Daytona okay. 500 where it was uh, there was a lot of meaning put into it. Now, some of it obviously contrived for to get ratings and, you know, like, oh, this is the biggest race ever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But um, it had that feel to it. And I, I enjoy that aspect. I enjoy feeling the legitimacy of this race um, for, like, Australia, essentially, racing fans in Australia. And you can get that even from the international feed being on the other side of the world. So I really enjoyed watching it. Fantastic. I feel like that's a good place to leave it, guys. Boom. Nailed it. Sebring, man. Sebring, let's go. I think think we got a a Sebring podcast we're doing, too. We will have to do a preview for Sebring. Um, We should also actually wrap up some news around the sports cars world. We've had Le Mans entry list, ELMS entry list, uh, the Brabham BT62, I haven't even had a chance to talk about that yet, and we're already at two hours, oh my god, um, the Asian Le Mans series announcing at the bend, that was like two months ago now, it's, there's just so much we haven't even touched on, and this is meant to be the quiet month, so we better, we better touch on a lot of it. On top of that, we we have a Facebook page now. You should like us on Facebook if you want everyone else to know that you like us. Uh, you should also follow us on Twitter, at Endurance Chat, um, because that's where we post fun stuff. Not really. You should follow me on Twitter because I've heard you use it now. No, you don't. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I roll on Snapchat, so... <laughs> on... No, Tumblr for the... Tumblr for the win, yo. Stop, guys. <laughs> uh, I don't want to hear about your freaking bum buddy relationship on Tumblr, thanks. Um, mm. On the it was, next... It was 7 in the morning. Stop. 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 <laughs> Over the Wait, next... Wait, is this another WC Stop. Just, uh... Oh, my God. I'm trying to... <laughs> Over the next three or four weeks, I'm going to be trying to upload as much of the archive of episodes that I have on my computer to the host so you can go back and listen to like season two and the first part of season three if you really care if not then they're just gonna be there for the record um and yeah hopefully we get a sebring episode out before sebring um because otherwise that would be bad i hope you enjoyed (laughs) i guess (laughs) (laughs) oh god and of course, Supercar Chat will be starting up soon, so keep an ear out for that too. Yes. Don't hate, appreciate. Absolutely. And on that note, this is I'm Floodman11. Peace out. Bye.
So did we sufficiently derail it enough? I don't even think there was rails. I think we were just on a hovercraft. Uh, 